0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. It is. There's just so much going on. We Weeks till the election day and a lot happening. In a few moments, we'll talk with Conrad Black, Sir Conrad Black, who is a former publisher. He's written histories, a friend of President Trump. He wrote a piece of, about a week ago about Pence doing his job, and now Trump had to step up. We'll see what he thinks if he stepped up. And then we'll talk with an old friend of mine, Terry Giles, who's written a book about how to get out from under. It's called the 15%. He basically says in his long experience practicing law and being in business that um, bad things when they happen to people, uh, 15% of the people will um, be great because they plow through it. And he puts the principles on how. He said 85% will have a tough time. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of uh, sounds depressing to me actually, but a book is really good and we'll talk with Terry Giles. But before we do that, let me tell you what you need to know. Let me tell you what you need to know. You know, today has been, well, these days, let's say it that way. These days are fascinating, right? There's so much happening so quickly and it almost, you almost can't keep up. But here's what you need to know right now in terms of what is, uh, the reality of this moment. And I had someone, so one thing I got, let me I do this as a question. I did this on Periscope. Have we lost everything to the media, big tech and the swamp? Because if you watched uh, the recent town halls on ABC, the town hall with Biden had softball questions, including a question from a guy who was identified as working in communications. Turns out he was a speechwriter in the Obama Biden uh, administration. So they're having a softball. It couldn't be more softballish. And on the other channel, NBC, at the same time, town hall. Some NBC affiliates, the ones in San Diego, didn't cover it. Others didn't uh, cover in other places. They didn't put it in the TV guide. So who knows who got to see it? But meanwhile, Samantha Guthrie got the message to act like a lunatic, and she was like fighting with the president, interrupting him, asking again and again about white supremacy, just insanity. Uh, and there's the president. You say, well, that's that was really those are the mainstream media. They're they're publishing um, a, a, a an anonymous leaked quote that John Kelly, the fired chief of staff, doesn't like Trump. Here's a newsflash. If you get fired, if you fire people, they don't like you. That's how that works, because you fire them. So this is a a media. They're pounding the message. Big tech tech is hiding the story of Joe Biden and his son Hunter and the emails on this uh, laptop. Hunter Biden's emails and texts now show that he was not only getting tens of millions of dollars from the Chinese and the Ukrainians and the Russians, but he was actually bragging about or not. He was kind of complaining about. The fact that he has had to split the money with his dad and cover all the costs of the family is how he said it. You just wonder at this point, and no coverage. You, you can find it on Twitter. You can see Fox News mentioned a bit, but no coverage. So you're sitting there saying, "Well, are we?" Are we? And the swamp, John Brennan, James Clapper, all are part of this uh, attempted coup. Susan Rice, and no prosecutions. No problem. The swamp is not being prosecuted. One dude, one lawyer, one dude was prosecuted for changing an email and uh, thereby tampering one dude. And he, he probably just was a guy that was stuck in the wrong place at the wrong time. They're like, oh, that guy lied. Let's just ring him up. So the swamp is winning. The big media is winning. Big tech is winning. How is Trump? Can we win? It's we the people and Donald Trump versus the world. And the answer I have to give you and you have to hear it is, yes, we can. Because the people of this country, more and more indications, they're fed up by, by, by the bullying. They're fed up by the lying. They're fed up by the distortion. And, you know, I did a, another Periscope. You know, I do a morning wink. What you need to know in the morning, which happens at uh, 645 Pacific time, I do a quick hit a.m. Quick hit. And then I do another one at uh, 11 in the morning and another quick hit. A little video uh, over on Periscope at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. And the one this morning, I was down in the Capitol. I was down near the mall. There's a a statue of U.S. Grant. And you remember what uh, Abraham Lincoln said about U.S. Grant? They were complaining. They said, U.S. Grant, he's coarse. He uses bad words. He, He smokes all the time. He's always chewing on tobacco. He drinks too much. U.S. Grant, terrible. Everyone's complaining. And Lincoln said, I can't spare him. He fights. And what he meant by that was the guy just fights, he's a fighter. That's the same thing with Trump. You don't like his tweets. I'm sorry. If you think he's too rough, I'm sorry. We can't spare him, America. He fights. That's the reality. And we have to double down on what we need to do, which is help the people in this country understand what Trump has done, what he's about, and, what the, and, the, and, the, and the enemies he's facing. We can't spare him. We can't spare Trump. He fights. That's the reality. So don't get down on yourself, don't get worried, don't get upset, don't get too, you know, you can be, you can be annoyed by it, I am, but don't get too down on it, because the fact is that uh, we have on our side, we the people, we have on our side Trump, and we are right, we happen to be right. All right, so that's one thing what you need to know. That's a big one for today. As you go into the weekend, just remember, everything against it doesn't matter. America, you know, George Washington lost every battle in 1776. Kept losing, kept losing, kept losing until the December 25th uh, uh, going across the river and down to to, uh, Trenton and winning that and suddenly ignited what had been started by um, Thomas Paine in common sense and then continued with Thomas Paine soon after in the crisis. The people in the country, but not everyone... Uh, the few, the proud, you know, less than a third of the people in the in the uh, early colonies were willing to fight. were a third of them. They were sitting on their hands. And a third were still loyalists to the crown. So we're going to have a, a it's going to be the few, the proud. But we can do it. We can do it. And so that, that's, that's to be encouraged that uh, that uh, it, it's it's uh, it's darkest before dawn and dawn is coming on November 3rd. One more thing you need to know. This is a big one. I've never seen anything like it. And this is really unfair. You know, Joe Biden is running for president, and on one of the major questions, major, of this election... He refuses to answer. He said he will not answer on whether he will do court packing, whether he will change the rules of the Supreme Court. It's been the same since 1860-something. We've had nine members of the Supreme Court, and now the left is saying, AOC and the Gang of, Gang of Three, and everybody's saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to pack the court. We're going to pass a law, and we're going to add two, three, four, five new members to the Supreme Court. And that means whoever has control of the White House and the House and Senate controls the government forever, in my opinion. Court packing is the likely end of our republic, period. And you know what Joe Biden's response is? I'm not going to tell you until after the election. Then I'll let you know what my opinion is. You'll find out. What's that? Nancy Pelosi did that, by the way. Remember on Obamacare? She said, we have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. Turns out that was in it was an individual mandate, the uh, death panels, uh, lots of tax increases, all kinds of things. The other worst lie about Obamacare was, of course, Obama saying, uh, uh, you know, if if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. It's insanity. But who? What, who? how arrogant are these people, these swamp ridden people that they think they can say to we, the people, we're not going to tell you our position until you pass the law or until you elect me. You know, we're not going to tell you that. I mean, J- Joe Biden should be he should be right now being put on the spot in ways that people can't even realize because he's now got corruption in his immediate family that implicates him. And they're, and they're not denying that these are fake. They're, they're, not, denying, they're not denying these are fake. They're not, they're not denying that these are real. They're not saying these are fake emails, fake texts. And instead, Biden is going to a town hall where he's, he, he literally last night said that an eight-year-old transgender, some a boy who thinks he's a girl, he's going to really work on protections for the boy who thinks he's a girl. Man, I got to tell you, you talk about out, out of whack, out of whack with the priorities of this country. The President of the United States announces that, uh, that uh, CBS and Walgreens are going to work together to give free vaccines as soon as they're available to seniors. And, and we got Joe Biden answering questions at an ABC town hall about how he's going to protect eight-year-old transgender boys who want to be girls. I mean, I, gotta, I, I said this earlier, it's like child abuse. It's child abuse among us. And that the idea that we're not saying it more frequently is insane. But that's what you need to know right now. What you need to know is, yeah, we're against, everybody's against us. But it's, at least it's out in the open now. You're not faking it now. That the media is against us, big techs against us, the swamps against us. It's we the people with Donald Trump at the helm versus the whole shooting match. And here's the great thing. If we win, it's a great victory. It's like George Washington at Valley Forge, George Washington at Trenton, going across the Trenton. If we lose, it's, it's the stakes couldn't be higher. I mean, the stakes couldn't be higher. That's what's going on. All right, we gotta take a break. We come back, Lord Conrad Black will talk to him about whether Trump's stepping up, how he's doing, and a lot more. And uh, and then Terry Giles after the after that. We'll take a quick break. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. My old friend, Lord Conrad Black, joins us now. He writes over at AmericanGreatness.com when I first uh, emailed and said, can you come on? I was thinking I wanted to follow up on his piece. He wrote a, a very um, I think uh, accurate piece that Mike Pence has done his job, both in the last three and a half years and then in the debate with uh, Kamala Harris and, and then uh, Lord Conrad Black said, now Trump's got to do his. It's a few days ago and we're already beyond that. But but welcome back, Lord Black. And let me ask you about that. I, I You know, you said in your piece, Pence did his job, both in the debate and otherwise Trump's got to do his is Trump doing his job now what do you think about the last week or so of the performance
1: I think, I think it's going well I think it's going well I thought he dealt with an extremely and inexcusably obnoxious uh savannah uh, guthrie last night i mean she could put her questions without being so aggressive and without interrupting the president and without always having her hand in front of her face in a semi-point at him and i thought he kept calm was uh courteous and, and and effective in his response i think the um resumption of his tours around are excellent, and the parts I've seen of the addresses he's given in Des Moines the other night especially uh, were were well-delivered and, and much less kind of spontaneous uh, uh, stream of consciousness than they are you know, in, in in the period well between elections, when nothing imminent is is on the horizon, uh, he he seems purposeful. He's making his points, and uh, I think the nomination of uh, Judge Barrett has gone extremely well. And uh, I I think I think it's looking good. I, and I and I think the. The uh, the opposition to him, the whole political establishment have been pushed to the last extremity. I mean, this business of censoring uh, the reporting on the, on the latest antics of the Biden family is an absolute scandal. And I, I can't imagine the American public think much of it. And Biden's inability to give a hint as to whether he would try and pack the Supreme Court, which means, of course, that he right. would. If he could, yeah. um, it, it, it is also I think damaging to them, and I see the president's called the Bidens an organized crime family today. I mean, they're not gangsters, they're not mobsters, but but they have a lot to answer for here.
0: Well, and we're talking with Conrad Black, and if you follow him on Twitter, at Conrad M. Black, at Conrad M. Black, I'd go there and his uh, posts are up there and, and different things. I, I agree, but let me back up for one second. Last night we watched on ABC. It was as softball as softball could be. It turns out that one of the questioners in the town hall for Joe Biden was an Obama-Biden speechwriter during the administration, and that was presented, of course, as some, somebody who worked in communications. Meanwhile, over on NBC, the president's in this brawl with Savannah, Gut- Savannah Guthrie. But here's the question I want to answer you, Lord Conrad Black. You've owned newspapers. You've been in the media. You've written historical books. I mean, you've done. You've sort of been the span of uh, of media in the in this in the in the world in the last forty years. Um, the NBC town hall with Biden I mean with Trump the NBC affiliate in San Diego where my show originates didn't cover it NBC stations were not saying it was a town hall I mean you know and then Twitter and Facebook are are are, are not allowing you to share the story of the New York Post not exactly a tabloid I mean it's got its tabloid edgy or lays out as a tabloid what what is your observation now on the the media and and the big tech and how they're not really even trying to fake it they're they're in the game on One side, and the side is against Trump.
1: Yeah, of course, the New York Post is, in fact, tabloid format, but you're right. It's a famous paper, I believe, the oldest continuously published daily newspaper in the country, founded by Alexander Hamilton and and (laughs) now by Rupert Murdoch. I mean, it's a (laughs) bit racy, but you can't just ignore it. And, um, I think that, that it's what I said a moment ago, that the, they have their backs to the wall. Now, they've been committed against Trump from the beginning, partly because of ideology, because most of them are somewhat to the left, partly because of uh, uh, they don't like his style, because you know he, he is a bit different, obviously, and, right. and partly because he ran against the entire political establishment, specifically including the national political media. He made it clear that he thought that they had underreported things, so they were complacent that let Obama and George W Bush get right away with uh, incompetence that they weren't called on for properly and uh, and he used the social media to end run them and get himself elected. And that wounded the immense collective ego of the national media. So for a variety of reasons, there's been this confluence of a let's get Trump sentiment. And, uh, you know, they ignored him and laughed at him at the beginning. He wasn't electable until the night he was elected. Then he was illegitimate and was about to be ejected. Uh, then when that fell through all the Russian collusion nonsense, there's a spurious impeachment. And then when the covid came down, they saw their chance, they thought, to deny him reelection. And and so it, as it gets closer and the race is close, uh, they get more and more desperate in their ambition to prove that when they flex their muscles, they decide who the president is and who the president isn't. And, uh, in, you know, the media is influential. We must have a free press, but they must not be Allowed to choose or to imagine that they have any right or ability to choose who the leader of the country is, and so uh, we're, we're talking with they feel that their whole position, the whole state of their influence, is is being is is facing a life and death. Uh, existential threat because if Trump is reelected he'll make the point very clearly he will just by that act make the point that they don't decide who the president is and they think they do I thought of that for a long time
0: well, and so, and we're talking about, again with Lord Conrad Black, and and you know, and I tell people when you talk to him, he, he's owned and and published uh, newspapers in London and and Canada and America, all over the place. But also, he's a, a biographer, and he's written about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, Richard Nixon, a book on Trump recently. But now you see this, and what my question to you is. If you're running for president in a fairly divided country, you know, relatively, it's, you know, I don't know if it's 50-50, it's probably 40-40 with a bunch in the middle, but whatever it is, it's pretty divided. And now you have the thumb on the scale of, uh, big tech, of the, all the, with all the social media and then all the newspapers. I mean, I mean, even Fox News is sort of following along in the wake of this. They're not exactly, I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about some of the stories, but Washington Post, New York Times, all the networks are burying stories. Can you beat that? he didn't have to do it and it's Hillary because Hillary didn't they all thought Hillary was going to win so they didn't bother putting their thumb on the scale too hard and now they're putting their thumb on the
1: scale because they underestimated him that is true but they were very partisan Uh, four years ago (laughs) the only large circulation papers that supported him were the Las Vegas Review Journal and then the uh, National Examiner you know which it's not exactly an influential paper uh, in in a political sense and um, and yeah, yeah. Look, the answer I think is one. One can do it because the public, look, is you don't you don't know. It's a colossal electorate, and nobody knows. But my right. guess, for right. since you've been kind enough to ask me, is that um, there are as many people. <coughs> pardon me offended by the unprofessionalism and the bias of the media which in these now very late days before the election are, are, are they're not as you said earlier they're not even trying to hide it it's just a bare knuckles uh, battle yeah and and you know the, uh, they, they want to take them down and he wants to show the country and the world and and they, he that they can't take it down and um and so I think as many people pitch for the underdog, believe in the office of president as as an office of great dignity and importance, and resent the unprofessionalism and, and the dishonesty of most of the media, as many people feel that as are influenced by their very one-sided coverage.
0: Yeah, and and again, we're talking with Lord Conrad Black, and on Twitter at Conrad M Black, I actually was reading one of your retweets of uh, of uh, of uh, some of another guy about um, uh, law courses. It's very clever and very interesting. So it's an infl- it's an interesting Twitter feed to follow. Uh, but Conrad, um, I want to go back for one moment to. Biden. And what what has come out now with these leaked uh, laptops and emails and obviously it's right before an election it's being done for electoral effect but the Biden campaign and the Biden family is not denying the emails veracity as you might you might tell us as a publisher if you find something you show it to a campaign or show it to someone and they say you know um, they, they and, it, and it's not real they say that's not real don't do anything if they say yeah there's nothing to see there none of those meetings happen you're like well that means that's real but what it really looks like a smoking gun now where the Biden family was using their position to advantage Joe Biden too. My question to you is: in the long span of history, this is not uncommon. When you have power, you use it to your advantage of you and your family. Uh, I'm not saying you, but but one does. Is so? Is this uh, worse than uh, other times in history? Is it more salient? Is drain the swamp more powerful now? What's your thoughts on the sort of Biden uh, this this Biden uh, corrupt uh, corruption problem?
1: I uh, I would say this. There is as far as I can see, no evidence whatsoever that a crime was committed. So I, I, I think um I, I I mean I I'm not I'm not suggesting that <laughs> all the evidence is in and there's no chance one was but I I I think we I, you know I you and I want to try to be fair here and I, I don't yeah. see as of now no no evidence has been used to indicate uh, in the Biden matters that a crime has been I think a great many crimes were committed against Trump and the Russia business but that's not what you asked in in thing. Right. um I think it is still extremely damaging for two reasons. One, everybody knows that Hunter Biden would not have gotten money he did from Ukraine or from China and from the wife of the mayor of Moscow if it was not anticipated that he would somehow arrange through official channels via his father to accomplish something useful for them. They didn't give him that money because of his competence or out of the generosity of their (laughs) hearts. So, you know, the, the issue is... Was there some favor detrimental to the national interest and improper under American law? There's no evidence of that, so we must give the Bidens the benefit of the doubt on that. But that one point stands there like a pike staff. What the hell were they paying all that money to to a, to a rather unprepossessing person? I mean, he wasn't Rex right. Tillerson or someone who'd run companies. <laughs> with was a respected right. industrial. <laughs> too Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it's damaging because Joe Biden lied. He said, I, I never met them. I didn't know anything about it. My son told me after the fact, I don't know anything about it now. He's a good boy. He had his drug problems. He got over <clears> throat> them. A <throat> uh, you know, the lot of the parts fine. The father sticks with his son. He's a good lad. We all understand that. But Joe Biden lied. He, he uh, by, in effect, conceding the, the, that that, Email, the particular one referring to the sender, I Avoreshky or some such name, uh, had, had met with the, the then Vice President Biden uh, by, in effect, admitting the, or at least not challenging the authenticity of that email. effect Effectively, they admit that the then Vice President did meet with this guy. Nothing wrong with that right. in itself, but he did lie about it, and that's a serious matter in the middle of an election campaign.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the part of it. The question is whether, as uh, as I've said in the past, one of the most powerful phrases that Trump employed in last election was not was not you know, build the wall was, and lock her up may have been good for, but drain the swamp was a big one. All right, I've got to run. Conrad Black, as always, thanks for your time, and we'll make sure to keep an eye on the uh, places where you publish so frequently. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, Ed. Always a pleasure. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. Don't forget, by the way, you can go over to proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com, and all of these interviews like we're doing right here, you can listen again or you can uh, get the link and pass them on to others, put them up on social media. As I mentioned to folks, it's uh, Conrad Black on Twitter, at Conrad M Black, Conrad M Black on Twitter, worth following. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, a few years ago when uh, Ben Carson, I believe this is right, Terry. Where I'm next to this is Terry Giles. I, I think it's when Ben Carson was getting ready to run for president. I emailed his campaign, and one of the folks on his campaign, I think chairman at the time of the campaign, was Terry Giles. And I looked him up. He's a lawyer. He's a businessman. I emailed him. He emailed me back, and we started a conversation. And and over the months and uh, year or so that uh, Ben Carson was running for president, we struck up something of a friendship, and I was in touch with him, a fascinating career as a, someone who also is a lawyer and doesn't practice law conventionally anymore. It was interesting. Well, Terry Giles, these years later, has a book out, and it's called The 15% Overcoming Hardships Achieve- and Achieving Lasting Success. And uh, the, the Ben Carson, the aforementioned Ben Carson, is um, is the, uh, writes an introduction. It's published by Skyhorse Skyhorse Publishing. And uh, Terry Giles, you're not a kid anymore. I'll get in trouble already. But you decided to write a book. You could have written a book uh, of stories of the people you've known all these famous people you worked for the martin luther uh, king uh, the martin luther king family and you've uh, had some bad criminals when you're a defense lawyer you didn't write a book until now how come you waited this long
2: well you know i'll tell you what really got me interested was um in the year uh, from 2000 to 2008 i represented 150 of the 800 victims of what they called the catholic predator priest cases in california And during that time, we had to do a psychological workup on all of our clients. And when we did that, they told me something kind of interesting about people that have gone through abuse have gone through any kind of serious hardship. And that is that 85% of the time, it really wrecks their life, at least a little bit and sometimes totally. But for some reason, 15% come out the other side stronger and better than if they hadn't gone through the abuse at all. And when we analyze our clients out of 50 clients, 22 of them actually fit that category, which is almost exactly 15%. And then some years later, as the chairman of the scholarship committee for Horatio Alger, we give out 300 scholarships out of about uh, 40,000 applications every year for kids who have overcome hardship and done very well and, and won a scholarship for college. In looking at that, we in trying to pick the 300, we brought together a psychological team, asked them the question, who are we looking for? And without hesitation, they said the 15%. So that really hey. got me thinking, what are the characteristics of the 15%? And is it luck? Is it just built into their DNA? Is it a skill set that can be learned? And if so, if we knew what those characteristics are and we could teach it, then why does it have to be limited to fifteen percent? Wouldn't we be better off if it was the twenty five percent or the forty percent or the sixty percent? So that's really what what mm. got me going on it.
0: Uh, we're talking with Terry Giles and again his book is called The 15% and uh, he was born in St. Louis, that's another thing that we do and I was, I was then living in St. Louis and he grew up in Cuba, Missouri uh, and then uh, bounced around a bit from there and, and then went to law school, was a practicing very big time criminal defense lawyer and then became a businessman and you mentioned the Horatio Alger uh, Society, I, I'm going to come back to that but I want to go you, to you when you, you know, when writers write, when people speak, they often are coming out of the experience they have, right, that's natural and you're one of the 15% and I I mean tell me talk to me in the book you do describe it um, how what you came out of and what you would say you know can eat up a bunch of other people and didn't with you and how that played out I especially got to say Terry I'd never heard you you never told me the story of the tornado when you were eight years old to me that was um, these you know now that I'm a father I see these little moments that change your kid's life you say boy that was a half an hour how did that how did that my one son was trying out for a travel soccer team and one of the coaches said you made the team you're really good and I'll be darned the kid became good he wasn't good before I don't think it's just the coach told him you're good and he said okay I'm good um, so tell us uh, you know Terry how you're one of the 15% how'd you how'd you come through it what'd you come through
2: well I, 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 I had a pretty tough life um, I was lucky to have a great great mom but my dad who uh, had lied to join the military during World War II when he was went to the war when he was 16 and from 16 to 20 I drove a landing craft, and most of the island landings saw a lot of death, a lot of uh, heartache. And in between landings, they really didn't think they would live through the next one, and they would sit around and drink quite a bit. But my dad um, had the alcohol gene, and so when he got back from the war, uh, he was really a a significant alcoholic and was that way until probably in his mid-60s. And uh, as a result, he was never around. Uh, dad would disappear for months at a time. And uh, mostly with my mom, my sister. Uh, my baby sister who was eight years younger than I. And I went to 21 different schools in the first 10 years. We were very poor. Uh, we lived with our grandparents a lot of the time, both in Cuba and in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, I realized uh, that there were a number of um, strategies I ended up using as I was going through life. And those end up being the strategies as I studied it and read about it. Those are the very same strategies that most of the people who are in the 15% end up using. Uh, for me, it was a combination of things. Talk about the uh, the tornado. You know, I was eight years mm-hmm. old. Yeah. Uh, tornado posted to in Cuba and the school emptied out. Parents picked up their kids. The kids got on their bikes and rode home or, whatever needed to be done. I didn't have a bike. My mom didn't have a car. Uh, my dad was gone during, was during one of the periods of time when he was completely gone. And eventually the teacher said, well, Terry, we got to help our family, so you're going to have to walk home, which is <laughs> about a three-mile hike. <laughs> about a mile <month laughs> road, through a forest and stuff. But, you know, keep in mind, this is back in the days when they told us that we'd survive a nuclear attack if we hid under our desk, okay? So, right, you know, the, right. You're right. So on the way home, uh, the the you can tell the tornado is about to hit. Uh, if you, I know you come from Missouri, so you understand this. Uh, everything goes still when it gets close. The the air is sucked out of the environment completely. Everything comes to a standstill. It's like a solar eclipse. It gets very dark. All the birds and animals go inside, um, and and you know it's close. And uh, right. I remember. And that the only thing was going to get me home was me, and I just had to keep putting one foot in front of the other to get there. And you know, it's a funny thing. I got there, my mom was standing there with my baby sister at the front door, letting me jump in the ditch in front of our house uh, if it in fact hit. Turns out it didn't hit our home, and we avoided it, but it changed my view forever. And over and over in life, I mean, when I reported for basic training, first time I had to go in the courtroom to try a case, over and over again, I have this thing that goes through my head, and that is lean forward and hope my feet keep up with me before my feet just. <laughs> yeah, to say, that's a good strategy in life. So when I'm when I'm thinking, you know, everybody has some fears. When I'm I, when I'm feeling fear, that's what goes through my mind. You know, well, mm. nobody's going to get through this but me. So,
0: so I thought uh, we're, t- I we're talked, talking. With, go ahead, keep going. Yeah, go ahead. No, go
2: ahead. Say, <clears throat> the stories I, I talked about in in the book, I tell a lot of stories about other people. The ones that relate to me are are those that I thought uh, were me um, developing these strategies and and how it was that that happened for me.
0: Hmm. Uh, we're talking with Terry Giles again. The book is uh, "The Fifteen Percent: Overcoming Hardships and Achieving Lasting Success." Um, Terry, uh, people, uh, two things, and a little bit, a little bit personal, like, but I can't take. I think it adds context to the book, which is important. One is you have a sister. Did your sister get out of a uh, tough life too, or did she was she not in the fifteen percent?
2: We did amazingly. Her and her husband are very, very successful as well. You know, I, hmm. I think we, I want to say this about my mom. But she was an amazing yeah. lady uh, she passed away in December of 2018 but every night my mom would pretend that she could read my palm when I was a little boy and She did the same thing with my sister, now she couldn't read palms at all but she would take <laughs> our palm and tell us how successful we were going to be and what a great life we were going to live and Basically, it was a really sweet way of developing a very positive mindset for both my sister and I, and it seemed to have worked.
0: Uh, that's what I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about your mom, because in the book you referenced, you know, the Horatio Alger Society, which you're a member of and Carson's a member of. It's a who's who of people who made it sort of from nothing. And, and, and the, Horatio Alger, for those that don't know, is the, is the famous um, uh, author who wrote these Up From Your Bootstraps, literally the stories around the early part of the ni- 1900s. He wrote these uh, dozens of stories, actually, and they were very, very popular. But they only became really popular when a guy named Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote an incredible book. That's uh, the power of positive thinking. I talk about it all the time on the radio show and everywhere else. Terry, he 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 took that idea, took scripture, and then taught people, "Hey, if you think you can think your way out of." anything if you just put your mind to it so my question here is did your mom you mentioned in there her and norman vincent Peale, just in one paragraph did she was she a follower of his did she was she or was she one of these sort of american originals that could took on the 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 mindset even without having to have become a norman vincent Peale person by the way donald trump also went to church at norman vincent Peale's church for 40 years so but was your mom a follower of norman vincent Peale? He was
2: and uh, when that book first came out, I was really a little boy at the time. My mom read it, and that's the first book that that where my mom sat me down and read the entire book to me was The Power wow. of I- Wow, and wow. I think that was in wow. 1950 something like that. And uh, yeah, she yeah, just that that to her uh, spoke truth.
0: And well, that's uh, incredible. Before, that's a, that, that- Yeah, that's amazing. So I, I got to tell you, it sounds it sounds like, T- Terry, I'm running out of time. It sounds like your mother, maybe, if you had enough of your mother, then the 15% might be more like 85%, I got to say. I mean, it sounds like that was the difference maker, uh, at least in the uh, in your uh, household. But uh, unfortunately, I got to run, Terry. I'm out of time. I went, already went over. Terry Giles in the book is the 15%. You should get it. I have it in my hand. It's really good. And Terry Giles is an even better guy than he sounds on the radio and in the book. So thank you, Terry.
2: Thank you, Ed. You take care now.
0: Okay, well, we'll talk again soon, Terry. All right, Terry Giles, again, the book is the 15% Overcoming Hardships and Achieving Lasting Success, In a, 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 a um, forward from Ben Carson, available every fine, fine books and published by Skyhorse Skyhorse Publishing. Be back in a moment. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back with him. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
2: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity. Of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
0: As Donald Trump was running for office in 2016, ISIS was running rampant in the Middle East. Weak political leadership from the Obama administration facilitated the rapid spread of a dangerous caliphate known for beheading journalists, aid workers, and Christians. Terrorists filled the streets to chant death to America as if to dare us to stop them. At the height of their power, they held territory in Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Libya, Afghanistan, Nigeria, Pakistan, and Algeria. More than 10 million souls were in subjection to their evil reign of terror. To take on an enemy this big and this powerful, America would need a leader who was not afraid of big talk and equally big action. Thankfully, Donald Trump was never one to mince words. Trump saw the terrible mistakes being made by America's commander-in-chief, and he vowed to bomb ISIS into submission. He repeated this promise over and over again throughout the country because Americans wanted to know that their next leader would stop the chaos quickly and decisively. Sure enough, President Trump had barely taken office when he ordered a substantial increase in the bombing of ISIS targets. Our brave military men and women dropped bombs like the great GBU-43 on ISIS tunnels to deny their ability to operate in secret. The GBU-43 is the largest non-nuclear bomb in America's arsenal. President Trump wanted to show the world that America meant business. His message was received loud and clear. Just as candidate Trump had predicted, ISIS rapidly lost territory and power. While they've not completely disappeared, almost all of their territory has been stripped from them. What once was a mighty caliphate spanning multiple nations is now a ragtag band of disgruntled terrorists hiding in caves around some remote villages in the desert. President Trump's abilities as a commander in chief prove that he has what it takes to handle the biggest bullies in the world and win. He doesn't shy away from taking big actions to address a big problem. Don't believe me? Just ask ISIS, or at least what's left of it. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. America is safe only when America is strong. Our national defense requires the most modern technology and best trained soldiers. And there should be no social politics or idle threats coming out of Washington. At phyllisschlafly.com, we take this work very seriously. Please visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin, we got to wrap things up. Just got a few minutes. Listen, this is my clarion call. What you need to do. Number one thing you need to do. I'm going to take this as a link. I'm going to blast it out to my email list and Twitter. What you need to do. Here's the number one thing. I had a conversation with Catherine Engelbrecht of truthevote.org. I've talked to uh, the Trump campaign. I've talked to different people. Even Hans von Spakovsky of the Heritage Foundation. He told me this. Everybody got to hear me. Right now, you can protect the elections. You can do it. You can do it. You don't have to register to be a poll worker for your county, your state, your local municipality. You have to contact a campaign... Whichever one is closest to you. Maybe it's a Trump campaign, but probably you can go Congress, Senate, and say, I want to be a poll watcher. I want you to designate me as a poll watcher for Congre- congressional candidate so-and-so, or dog catcher candidate so-and-so, or senator so-and-so. Pick one. You could even do it for the party you live in, the The, uh, the uh, Republican Party likely. I don't think there's any Democrat Party, but Republican Party in your local area. And you can volunteer. They don't have to run you through the uh, bureaucratic maze. You know, you're a poll watcher. Watcher. You're watching for your candidate, but you got eyes inside, and you got to do it. You have to do it. If you didn't get motivated to be an a poll worker inside the polls, part of the professional poll watching team, they actually pay in most places. Then I, a poll, a working team. And there was a lot of need. I'm doing that. But if not, you could be a poll worker. And a poll worker is even better because you can say to the Republican Party or the candidate you like, I can only do it for three hours, five hours, seven hours. They'll put you in the system. They have to, by law, be allowed to have poll watchers for ballot integrity, for election security. Now, you're on a team this time, right? You're on one candidate's team. You're not inside in the sort of, uh, even when you're inside um, at, uh, you know, as, as a poll worker, where you're working inside a county structure or state structure, you still would have uh, your party affiliation. You don't have to run from that, but your, your job there is to be different. Your job is different. Now, there's plenty of time. Don't tell me you think it's too late. I need you to do it. What you need to do is become a poll watcher. If you can only do it for three hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, six hours in the evening, whatever you can do, you have to be willing to do, okay? Find your local candidate, any candidate who will get you in the poll polling place get assigned wherever you can be a help you gotta get and take the day off of work take the day off of school take a day off of whatever however or a couple hours and get yourself positioned and then get inside eyes inside all right everybody thank you for listening as always thank you to noah our technical director director for all he does to keep us online joanna for booking guests and you the listeners don't forget proamericareport.com go there and get all these interviews and links and conversations i mean conversations as links anytime ed martin will talk to you soon on the pro america report